Welcome back to the Let's Argue podcast, brought to you by HHWR Builders, centered around college football and much, much more. Here are your hosts, Jason Cody Morris, Zeke Shivers, and Jackson Beckham. Gentlemen, it's time to argue. All right, welcome back to another Let's Argue podcast. It's been 10 whole days since we've uploaded. Um, we do apologize for that. Um, it's been a while since we've had Jackson Beckham on with us. And Jackson, welcome back, man. Yes, sir. I've missed this. I know I've been busy with some stuff. I'm glad you guys handled it, you know, went out with me there. But I um, had no doubt that those episodes would be good. But, yeah, I've missed this, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. And, Zeke, you've been on here pretty much every episode since we've been uploading. But um, 10 whole days, but we're finally back at it. Yeah, man. I'm glad to, glad to be back. I kept on, you know, just bugging myself like, hey, when are we going to get back home? When are we going to get back home? But – Listeners, got to understand, college football definitely took a kind of like an intention hit for the past two weeks or so. Um, they're trying to get all the lame bowl games out of the way to set the stage for New Year's Six. So um, bear with us. You know, we, uh, we don't want to just produce a bunch of podcasts with non-interesting facts and topics. So um, we're glad to be back. We got a bunch of stuff for you, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy this. Well, Zeke, we're going to jump right into it and get into segment one. And I really named segment one honoring the pirate. And you just said college football has really took a hit as far mm-hmm. as like the lame bowl games. But man, did it take a hit really emotionally around the college football world? Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach, um, he passed away. So that's why I named segment one honoring the pirate. But man, Mike Leach was just a character, and college football will never be the same. Absolutely. You know, he was a. Yeah, man. And outstanding coach uh, outstanding person on and off the field the way he just carried himself and yeah uh, he wasn't obviously wasn't afraid to just speak whatever was on his mind I think that's what set him apart you know um just the things he's accomplished in his career and all the things he's done for players and for to b- make them better people not just players and you know he was just he will be very missed or all of our thoughts and prayers go out to his family as they cope and deal with the loss of uh the great Mike Leach and um we all miss him very much yeah, Mike, what I mean, what a guy. He was an outstanding – he was a great coach, and he, he, you know, he did some good things with some teams that probably shouldn't have done what they did with him. But he was an even better person. And I didn't know him personally, but the way he talked on TV and the way he acted on social media, like it made you kind of feel like you had a personal connection with him. He was as real as it gets. He, uh, he didn't hide from the truth. He just – he spoke his mind and – he made people laugh, and he made people enjoy college football even more when it involved him and his team. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've got this segment kind of split into three different parts, and really what I want to dive deep into the most is Mike Leach's biggest victories as a coach, whether it was offense coordinator or head coach or whatever. But um, I'm going to go through these games, and then I'll let you guys chime in and talk about the games you want to talk about. But the first game I want to mention was when he was the OC at Kentucky in 1997. None of us were alive then, but Kentucky had not beaten Alabama in 75 years. And mind you, Alabama in 1997 was not Alabama as they are today. But still, if you haven't been a team in 75 years, that's something miraculous. Well, Mike Leach and his company in offense stormed down the field and beat Alabama for the first time in 75 years. So I had that written down for Mike Leach win. And then when he was at Washington State, he beat Sanford in 2016. Um, Stanford was the defending Rose Bowl champions. They had um, Christian McCaffrey starting running back. So a big win there at Mississippi State. 
And then in 2020, the COVID year, the shortened year, um, he beat the number six team in the country, the Mississippi State Bulldogs, defeat number six LSU 44-33. to And then when I have written down his biggest win as a, as a coach was when Texas Tech, ranked number seventh in the country, faced off against rival number one Texas. I mean, if you think of Mike Leach, you think of a shootout game. You think of down to the wire. I mean, this game was – Mike Leach is a shootout down to the wire, 474 yards, two passing touchdowns. It was everything Mike Leach was. And, I mean, I guess what a game to be Mike Leach's best game, number one Texas versus number seven Texas Tech. And obviously he come out victorious. Well, <clears throat> I'm sorry. If I could chime in here, um, you all those games that you mentioned were incredible wins by Mike Leach. But I want to take it back to – Mike Leach's Valdosta State days. So if you are a big fan of our podcast, you know, a bunch of you guys are probably from the South, just like we are, South Georgia. Well, Valdosta State, right down the road from us, they are a legendary Division II football program. They are near the top of the ranks every single year. They've won Division II national football championships. Well, Mike Leach, he used to be the offensive coordinator at Valdosta State. And I just want to mention – his success there where he took Valdosta State as the offensive coordinator to their first ever Division II playoff appearance in 1994 and led them to their first Gulf South title in 1996. And this identity that he created for the Blazers still stands today. As I said, they have been a dominant Division II football program for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Um, my dad sort of – knew Mike Leach from Valdosta State when he worked in the paper in Valdosta and covered those games. And, you know, I don't know if they were, like, friends or whatnot, but I know they've had a few interactions. And all I've heard when my dad talks about Mike Leach's praise and how how much he will be missed and all the great things he's accomplished. But, you know, uh, Valdosta State, you know, Valdosta State, Valdosta State has had a, a good amount of, like, quality coaches come through there. But Mike Leach especially, and he um, had a lot of success at Texas Tech. And then he went to Washington State, had a lot of success there. And, you know, everywhere he's gone, he's kind of brought a little bit of joy. But especially in the the most recent places where I've remembered him at, you know, he's just been – always been electric to watch, no matter what the situation, what was going on. Yeah, and I don't mean to change the subject because this is honestly all about Mike Leach, but you talked about coaches coming through about uh, us to state. Georgia's head coach, Kirby Smart, he worked at um, – or he coached – yeah, at Valdosta State also. So he was the coach there. So – um, a lot of good coaches have come out of Valdosta State, but that's where um, Mike Leach started his career, and really from there on, it just it took off. And obviously, he was coaching in SEC school when he passed on. So after after we've talked about these big victories, Mike Leach had a coaching tree going also. And guys, I was looking at a coaching tree, and I really did not realize that he really mentored and coached and brought up so many good coaches and um, in today's coaching world. I mean, you've got Dave Arnotta from Baylor, Sonny Dykes at TCU, Josh Heupel at um, Tennessee, Neil Brown at West Virginia, Kingsbury at Arizona Cardinals head coach. But the one that sticks out me to me the most is Lincoln Riley at USC. Lincoln Riley. <laughs> there's a story behind that. Um, Lincoln Riley actually was a player for Mike Leach. And I know as a, as a player, I don't play football, but as a player, I want my head coach to be honest with me, whether it's brutally honest or just straight up honest. Yeah. Well, Mike Leach told Lincoln Riley and was like, hey, you're probably not going to play as much as you want to play, and you're probably not going to play at all, but I want you to start coaching as a student coach with me. 
Well, my, Lincoln Riley didn't take that job immediately. He walked out, and the next day he came to, to he went back to Mike Leach and said, "Hey, I will take your job as being a student coach." And it really started from there. And now Lincoln Riley has three Heisman Trophy winners. So, I mean that that one right there sticks out the most to me. And I know, yeah, especially I saw, in football. Or go ahead, Zeke. Oh no, I was just saying. I read that story the other day, and I thought it was pretty cool because I, I mean, I knew about the hypo and I knew about Sonny Dykes, but I didn't know about Lincoln Riley, and I thought that was just a really cool um, story to tribute the legacy of Mike Leach. Yeah, but like, like just you were talking about, I playing football. I know that feeling of a coach, even a head coach, saying, "Hey, you're probably not going to play at all," and like. That then that's just crushing because you worked so hard to get in whatever position you're in, and you've put in a lot of blood, sweat, and uh, sometimes even tears if if it's that brutal. But um, but like those like saying, "Hey, you're probably not gonna play as that much," is crushing. And I I understand Lincoln Riley like wanting to get out of there, but you no know, Leach saying, "Hey, this is how it is." But I want I, I still value you, and I still want you here. And I mean, I think that that's the reason Lincoln Riley is that that probably fueled his coaching fire. You know, like that was the person that believed in him and gave him the start of coaching something he may have not thought he wanted to do, but someone believed in him and gave him that. And another reason why Leach is such a special person. Speaking about special purpose or special purpose person, Mike Leach had some great moments. And I mean, funny moments. We used him as clown moments. So it seemed like every podcast, <laughs> every podcast, at least I'm going to leave it up to you. I've got a few quotes, but I'm going to let y'all go first on Mike Leach's either funniest moments, greatest moments as a coach. I mean, I mean, just Mike Leach in general. I'm going to let y'all start this part off. I would like to start off. It wasn't more of a moment or something he said, but that just straight black hoodie that says stay on it is just so iconic. You know, you see a lot of coaches like dressing up or like wearing uh, a polo or like something along those lines, something a little nicer, but he just wanted that simple hoodie would stay. It's something like iconic about it. And you see that you're like, oh yeah, that's Mike Leach. He's ready to, he's ready to play. His, his guys are ready to go. That just, I, it was just different and he wasn't, he didn't care whatever anyone said. He, that just stuck out to me about him as a person. Well, <clears throat> I think my Mike Leach moment that I'm going to mention is um, when he got on television and ranted about his hate for candy corn a few days oh, before man. Halloween <laughs> in 2021 after the win versus Vanderbilt. And this is why, because I absolutely hate candy corn. I don't care about Halloween, number one. And number two, I hate candy corn. And I feel like I was, I, you know, I felt like I was on an island, like the only outspoken person against candy corn. And then Mike Leach gets on TV and talks about it too. So him and I, we have a, we have a personal connection right there in our despise for uh, candy corn. Well, I think my greatest moment for Mike Leach is going to have to be about the pirate and the quote that he brought up about pirate school because I honestly named the not, segment. Not fat little no, because I've used that already. So I'm gonna. That's to, in a category of its own, JC. Yeah, and I'm gonna have to remind the listeners and let them know what it's about about honoring the pirate. But Mike Leach said, "I ought to have a Mike's pirate school. The freshmen they all they only get the bandana. When you're a senior, you get the sword and skull and crossbones. And for homework, we'll work pirate maneuvers and stuff like that. Like as a football coach, and you're talking about having a pirate school. That right there is just everything Mike Leach was <laughs> in one quote right there." <laughs> <laughs> someone went into the uh stadium in uh starkville and hung a pirate flag at half mast after he the day after he passed away and like that just shows like he the connection he had with the whole student body and every player that like 
they're going to go in their own manner to honor him in the way that was truly spoke my, to Mike Leach. Yeah, and honorable mention moments, his, um, his wedding advice to the reporter and yep. him talking about how he tracked a raccoon. Yep. The the wedding one always comes up. Like if you look up Mike Leach, that's probably the first one that comes up. But um, it's it's good to honor Mike Leach. He was a great coach, uh, even better person, and he left us some great moments. But like we said, college football won't be the same without him. But um, as we close out segment one, we're going to move into segment two. And um, Zeke and Jackson, we also have a sponsor for segment two. So we're going to play the short ad right now for segment two, and then we'll jump right into it. Segment two is brought to you by HHWR Builders. HHWR can fulfill all of your home improvement needs. From cabinets to decks, HHWR can keep you covered. Contact them today at 229-326-8912 or on Facebook at HHWR Builders, LLC. All right. Um, so uh, thank you, HHWR, for sponsoring us in segment two. But um, segment two is actually going to be the recent bowl games. And, Zeke, you kind of have already brought that up about how they're getting some of the boring bowl games out of the way. But, man, I tell you, there ain't been many games or there haven't been many games that are just straight-up blowouts. They've all come down to the wire. And um, really some of the main ones that stick out was the first one played. UAB only beat Miami, Ohio by four. Um, the Sunbelt Funbelt Troy Trojans beat UTSA by only six points. But then you get to Cincinnati and Louisville. Man, there wasn't nothing close about that game in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Yeah, no, I mean, not at all. I mean, where do I, where do I start with – like I said, I mean, these are boring bowl games that really nobody's watching. But, I mean, there was still some unexpected things happening. Like, one, I did not expect Cincinnati to get handled by Louisville. Like, Cincinnati scored – one time the entire game one time they were shut out for three quarters and that kind of blew my mind especially by from a from an ac like i don't get it but um big win over ucsa and then just the other game i really want to mention or two games i want to mention is um you know florida getting handled by oregon state that game should have been a shutout it should have been 30 to nothing but, um, I mean, we expected that to happen as SEC fans. We expected Florida to lose to that good Oregon State team. And then the other game, I was actually there, um, the Jackson State versus North Carolina Central. And I was one of the, like, 8% that called the upset, and it very much did happen in overtime. And um, it was that was a very wild game, especially near the end where the, uh, the tight end dropped the touchdown. And I don't know if you saw, but there's a clip of the moment of Deion Sanders talking to him in the locker room, and I thought that was just amazing. Like, he basically uh, overall said, if you haven't seen it, it was like, hey, like, that's okay. Like, we're going to go through adversity. Like, you went through a lot of adversity this year. That doesn't mean it has to end. Like, that moment's going to prepare you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so that was, a, well, it was a wild game, a lot of wild circumstances to, like, that overtime. Like, Jackson State, Travis Henderson at overtime, and they – um Fell just short, but it was. I think it was a pretty good game overall. Zeke, you probably yeah. know best because you were there. Well, the it wasn't the tight end's fault. I mean, if we're going to talk about mistakes, let's talk about the defense giving up forty something points and talk about you know the quarterback throwing a pick. Like it's not that it should not have came down to a pass play in overtime. So. Oh, absolutely. 
And Twitter, I don't know if y'all saw, but Twitter went crazy over that tight end. Like they were oh, yeah. throwing people on Twitter hating on him, um, all this stuff, like sending threats to him and stuff. And I'm like, it ain't it ain't his fault that y'all not yet. the team that beat y'all last year. Like you go undefeated and then you give up forty something points in your bowl game. Be for real. It's not the tight it's end. Not, it's never on one matter what. So, but yeah, I mean, they overall it's a solid game. But you know, Texas State just doing doing in a bowl game. Guys, I want to mention. I'm not going to speak too much on the Florida game because actually, for um, segment four, not to give anything away, but. Um, the Washington State Fresno State game. I mean, yeah, Fresno State now has ten wins, but um, Washington State got demolished by Fresno State, twenty-nine to six. That was really a surprise to me. I picked Fresno State, but I thought it would maybe be a little bit closer than it was. Um, but then the BYU SMU game, a one-point difference. I had SMU winning, and then man, BYU just stunned SMU. But uh, to go back to your Jackson State game, I was sitting there watching it, and I watched in overtime. The catch that Travis Hunter made to send it to overtime, what a catch. Oh, absolutely. Then, and like you said, you guys said you can't on one player, but if the ball hits you in the hands and you're that wide open in the end zone on third and ten, man, you've got to make the catch. You do have to make the catch. And, you know, that was the thing when I played it was preached. I was like, you know, as a tight end, you're not – you're never going to be the first option on any kind of pass to play unless like a play action or play like that, but – so when the ball does come your way, you have to make those catches. But when it comes to third and ten, or third and goal, whatever the down was, I don't really remember too much. But when it comes to that kind of situation in overtime, and you're that open, and the ball does get to you in your hands, man, you've got to make that play. And especially at the yeah. collegiate level and a bowl game, you really do have to make that kind of play. Well, well, we'll apply that to the receivers that dropped all the passes that Dion's son threw during the game because likely if they would have caught those, they wouldn't have had to be in overtime. So Yeah. Well, Zeke, you were there, so let me ask you. I was watching from afar. Um, I was watching on TV. But I, from from what I was watching, and we're going to get to the transfer portal in the middle and in our next segment, so I don't want to talk too much about it. But Dion said that his son would be the starting quarterback at Colorado. Well, from what I saw – Colorado being the D1 program in the Pac-12 that they are, I don't think his son is deserving to be the starting quarterback. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely not. I mean, look, his stats, he ran up the stats in the North Carolina Central game, but this is this is North Carolina Central. This is a small, small college who would probably get plummeted by any other Pac-12 school. So, But Deion's son has not proved to be, you know, an immediate Pac-12 star. I mean, and maybe he'll go into Colorado, who's terrible, and be a starter, but he won't have an impact. I don't think he'll have an impact. There's no way that he'll be able to change the game just off his sheer talent because we haven't seen him play somebody this year that's worth comparison to the teams that he'll be playing when he's at Colorado. And I know we've argued about it, it seems like, since the the hire of Dion to Colorado has been official, but – Zeke claims that Colorado won't be as good as me and Davis think that Colorado can be with um, Dion at head coach. Well, if he's not going to give other people a chance, and I know that transfer portal's heavy, and like I said, we're going to just we're going to talk about it in just a minute. But if if he can't give other people a chance, and let's say his son doesn't succeed there, Dion may not have a shot at being a good head coach if he just plays his son because it's his son. If he doesn't play the best quarterback to go out there and win games. 
and Dion could be in trouble year one in Colorado. And you know, yeah. I know he said in that uh, that press conference, like this is your Shadur stand up, this is your quarterback to like all the people watching. But you know, we all we both we all know Dion's all about the media, and I feel like if you're a head coach, especially if you handle the responsibility of a D one program such as Colorado, then you're gonna you're not gonna immediately give a start job to your son. Like I feel like there will be like equal opportunity for all the quarterbacks in that quarterback room. But, you know, it could have been just something he said to the media to stir the pot. It could be something that's true. I have no clue. But, I mean, it'll definitely be interesting to see because, I mean, that really could make or break the rest of Deion's career is just handing out a starting job to because they have the last name Sanders. Look, and l- let me interrupt right here. You mentioned the media. That's what gets a lot of these, you know, Division One coaches in trouble and prevents them from having – successful careers is the media because when they work think about it when a good recruit hears you telling your locker room that your son who has never played a division one football game in his life is going to walk in and be the starting quarterback what makes if i'm a recruit if i'm like a receiver recruit or if i'm another quarterback what makes me want to come to colorado to play do you do i really want a quarterback who's never played a division one football game throwing me the ball do I really want to have to fight a quarterback who I know is probably not better than me for a spot on the field? Probably not. And I think that Dion and I'm not saying it's all Dion's fault, but the, you're right. The media follows him, and he and he seems to love the media. But if he doesn't kind of censor some stuff and try to stay out of the media, I think it could really harm him at Colorado. Yeah, well, guys, we're getting more and more closer to the transfer portal. So before we leave segment two of the recent bowl games, are there any other things you want to talk about about bowl games before we get into segment three? I said the um, North Texas-Boise State game was a lot closer than most people thought because um, Boise State was going into it, you know, uh, they were 9-4 and four, and North Texas was 7-4. and four, Or not 7-4, excuse me, 7-3. Uh, and three. But um, wait, no, I'm reading, the, I'm reading the wrong numbers here. Seven and six, excuse me, I was looking at the wrong thing on the my ranked app here. But um you know, that game was a lot closer than I would have thought. Yeah, I agree with you. Um I was actually sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings watching this game and it was it was a not really much of a contest and then it got to the end and it turned out to be like a battle to really who had the ball last and who could score. Yeah, but, the third um, quarter. Yeah, I mean, Boise was favored by 12 and a half and only won by three, if that tells you anything. So, I mean, Boise State was down – well, they were – yeah, they were down 10 to six at halftime, come out and put up 22 points in the third quarter, and that's really what won the game for them. I mean, they put up 22 in the yeah. third and then only put up seven in the fourth. So, without the third quarter, Boise State would have been on the losing end of this game. Yeah, well – to round out the bowl game so far, and the only game that I'll be watching before Christmas is probably Wake Forest in Missouri on a Friday night. But other than that, I don't really care. Before Christmas, that's going to be the only game? That's going to be the only game I watch before Christmas. All right, I'm trying to – I'm scrolling through just to – you said Wake Forest, Missouri on the 23rd? Yeah, unless you're interested in watching South Alabama – no, I'm actually interested on the 22nd. Baylor and Air Force, a six and six Baylor versus a nine and three Air Force. Air yeah, Force no, is Baylor's winning. Baylor, Baylor's favored by four and a half. Let's not forget about Middle Tennessee and San Diego State. Ooh, That's an important yeah. ball game that matters a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah. All right, you do have 
you do have the Georgia – or that's after Christmas Hall. You do have Eastern Michigan, Santa Jose State. That's hey. Yeah, that one's going to get interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll be tuning into that one for sure. Same with the Liberty Toledo Bowl, too. What a matchup. Well, if, we're, if we're talking about Friday, we might as well talk about the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. The wait, wait, hold on. The who what? Yeah, Louisiana. Independence Bowl. Yeah, Shreveport. Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the Houston Cougars. Mm-hmm. I do think, Zeke, though, the Wake Forest-Missouri game is going to be really interesting. Another SEC team. Um, well, I know we talked about Florida already getting handled, but this game could get interesting. Wake Forest was ranked earlier in the year, so I'll definitely be tuned into that yeah. game. But Wake well, Forest is only favored by one point. Exactly. and I think Missouri's got that SEC defense. Wake Forest has a real good offense, so we're going to see. Hartman's a good quarterback. We're going to see. And Missouri hadn't played like – Horribly all year. I mean, they've they've won. They've won like barely in some games and lost like a good bit against like Kansas State and stuff like that. But they haven't played like the worst team in the SEC. Gave Georgia a run. Yeah, and then they beat. They hold. They beat or lost to Auburn overtime, which they probably should have won the game. They kept close to Florida. Beat Vandy. Beat South Carolina, who's ranked now. Was close to Tennessee, and you know, then beat Arkansas by two. So I mean. They've won some games. They've played good in some, too. So, that'll be really interesting to see. It is going to be interesting. That's what's so fun about bowl season, especially games like that. But um, um, as we move out of segment two, we move into segment three, and we actually have a new sponsor that's hopped on board. They're going to sponsor segment three. So, here's a quick ad from our new sponsor for segment three. Segment three is brought to you by Ashley's Automotive Repair. Ashley's Automotive can fix a scratch or fix an engine. They can do it all. Oil changes to bumper repair. Ashley and company are ready to see you today. Contact them today at 229-396-4640 or on Facebook at Ashley's Automotive Repair. All right, so we thank Ashley Automotive for sponsoring segment three, but boys, this is probably the the segment I've been waiting for all night long, the transfer portal is bigger than it's ever been. There's already been a few big commits, but I mean, a big name hit the portal today, Travis Hunter, and he's not automatically a ride into Colorado. No. Um, who was it? What well, uh, sports play said that his big three were Georgia, Miami, and then I uh, forget the other one, but there was another, or USC. That was, that was Chad Simmons. Simmons. Of, uh, 20, yeah, 24-7 sports. He said, based on the intel, three schools have quickly emerged as schools to watch out for Hunter besides Colorado. Those are Georgia, mm. Miami, and USC. So, Wow. I mean, Travis Hunter is now the number one prospect in the, in the transfer portal, but I'm looking at the top ten players right now. Travis Hunter won. Um, the cornerback from Virginia Cypress is two. And then you've got names in there like Dominic Lovett at number eight from Missouri, their starting wide receiver. But then at number 10, Jaheim Bell, starting tight end for uh, South Carolina. He's committed to Florida State. So there's some big-time names in the transfer portal already. And, like, guys like Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina, he's been a pretty good quarterback there, I'd say, but he's in the transfer portal. Emory Jones, who was at Florida, then to Arizona State, he's also trying to get out of there. And then um, another big one that I saw was uh, JoJo Earl from Alabama, the four-star who's now going to TCU. 
there's also been some um, uh, some big time commitments. I mean, you've got Jeff Sims, the starting quarterback at Georgia Tech. He's committed to Nebraska. Matt yep. Rule and company. Um, Oregon's best defensive player, Justin Flo, um, they're the starting linebacker. He's headed um, to Arizona, a five-star recruit. Haynes King from Texas A&M, he's going to Georgia Tech. And then you've got names like Drew Payne, the um, Notre Dame quarterback. He's going to fill that spot at Arizona State. So the, the transfer portal has definitely changed college football. But, man, oh, man, there's some big names in it. And there are some big Whoa. time backs in there, too, like – you got DJ, DJ. I'm not even going to try to say his last name, but we on Clemson uh, in the transfer portal. Devin Leary from NC State's in the transfer portal. Keaton Slovis from um, I forget where he was, but he's transfer. I think he's committed to Pittsburgh, or, or was he at Pittsburgh? Let me go back. He's was at Pittsburgh committed. The Boston College quarterback is going to Pittsburgh too. Um, Calzada Auburn, who was at A and M, is trying to is getting out. Graham Mertz at Wisconsin's getting out. We saw um, who was the Michigan quarterback that's going to Iowa. Um, yeah, yeah, he's gone. It's like a lot of quarterback movement. It's almost like we're watching a wild NFL offseason. All these, all these guys moving around. Well, well, look, as a Georgia fan, and one of y'all already mentioned his name, but as a Georgia fan, I'm excited because I think we are going to steal Dominic Lovett from Missouri. You know, Zeke, as a Georgia fan, I hope we get him, but I hope we can get Travis Hunter to play right beside him. And That'd I hope it. we can snag Jaheim Bell, too. <laughs> well, he's already committed to Florida State, so he's going to go play uh, beside his high school friend, Tate um, Rodemaker. They both played at Valdosta, right. Valdosta High School, so they're, he is headed to uh, Florida State. But it would have been nice to have him. Yeah, but it's all right. We got, we got some good tight ends and some good people coming up behind him, like Delp and the boys. But Dominic Lovett, look, he's, he's legit. I like, I like him. So, Thank Georgia, do what, you, do what you can to get him. And yeah. he's already been on an official visit, so. Oh, that, that's, that's really nice, too. But speaking of some cornerbacks who could come to Georgia, Tony Grimes from UNC, he's been pretty good this year, and he's in just now in the portal, too. So, I mean, I wouldn't be – I doubt he will come to Georgia, but I wouldn't be mad if we got him either. Hey, look, I'll take – and another receiver I'll take is Ra Ra Thomas at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Hey, he's been on a visit, too, hasn't he? Yep. Yeah, so – um Kirby usually doesn't hit the portal too hard, but if there's a player he's going to have to go get, he'll go get him. Oh, absolutely. Well, look, Georgia, Georgia and Kirby have both made Georgia and Kirby have both made known that they're looking for you know another difference making receiver. And Robert Thomas and Dominic Lovett. I mean, Robert Thomas put up almost 150 yards against uh, you know A and M, and then he ha- he caught eight or nine balls against Alabama or something like that. So. He's an explosive receiver, and then love it. I watched him torch teams this, all this year. So, I mean, look, two good guys that could really, I think, walk into Georgia and make an immediate impact, especially since we're losing guys like Blaylock and Kiaris Jackson. Well, while we're on the topic of Georgia, a former Georgia player, JT Daniels, is back in the transfer portal. And because of this, I've got a suggestion. And maybe you guys don't agree with me, but I say we change the transfer portal rules a little bit. If you go in, let's say I'm a freshman at Georgia, and then I hit the transfer portal at the end of my freshman year, I'm immediately eligible my sophomore year. But if I go back in the transfer portal my sophomore year, I should have to sit a year. Because if we don't change the rules, JT Daniels could go to the transfer portal every year. Yeah, and I mean, he's this will be whatever, wherever he goes, that'll be his fourth college. He was at USC, got hurt, Georgia, lost start job, went to West Virginia for one year, and now he's back in the portal to what would be his fourth team. So – 
you know, that may be like the, the deciding fact. Like we should, I definitely agree with you, JC, that their rules for transport should be looked at a little bit so to prevent things like that. Well, Georgia, and I know we keep talking about Georgia, but Georgia hasn't been too affected by this transfer portal. I mean, they've lost one player already this this year, um, a defensive lineman, Bill Norton. He wasn't a starter or anything like that. But um, Kirby usually tries to find a way to keep his guys out of the portal. But there's just something about the portal. And then now you've got NIL on top of that. You've got, like, the Travis Hunter thing. I think it was just a battle for money. Who's going to be able to give him the most money of Georgia, USC, and Miami? There's got to be something to restrict the NIL also. Yeah. Well, we've talked about big names, and as the as they more and more people hit the portal and more and more commitments come out, we'll have episodes updating that. But um, as we move out of segment three in the transfer portal, any other things, any big names you other guys would like to, to mention? I saw that um, Miami has two of the top three offensive line recruits. And that blew me for threw me for a loop. I was not expecting that at all. Um, I just think that that was something to point out. Like that's very, very good for Miami. They'll that obviously won't fix their program, but that is good to have those two guys coming out of high school. And then um, there was another name I saw. Oh yeah, uh, Hudson Carr from Texas is in the portal. Talking about quarterback some, and then Oklahoma or not Oklahoma State. Let me scroll down a little more. Donovan Smith from Texas Tech also in the portal. Um, and there was one more quarterback I saw on this list that I was like, dang, that's that'll be crazy to see. Brendan Armstrong from Virginia. He was a fifth year senior there, but he wants out of Virginia. That's I think that's big, but as many quarterbacks that are in the portal, like there's not enough teams to really fill a starting job for all of these guys. Mm-hmm. Like Hudson Card from Texas, a stud. But where's he gonna be able to go start with Nick Evers from Oklahoma and DJ from Clemson and Devin Leary from NC State. Like, all of these guys are just – they're in the portal and there's that's just the top ten. Yeah. So, we lost Zeke for a minute. Did we get him hey, back? I think I'm back. He is back. He is back. back. So, Zeke, we were just rounding out segment three. We were just rounding out segment three of the transfer portal. Anything other that you would like to mention before we move into the clown moment? Um, I I don't think so. I think that, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, I will say that, you know, I don't know if y'all mentioned this while I was gone, but we're talking about Dion in Colorado and all the transfers and stuff like that. Well, um, I don't think it's hitting as hard as you think. I mean, I know there was a graphic that said, like, he's been in contact with over 200 players, all these five stars and four stars, whatever. But there really haven't been some people that are worth knowing going to Colorado. In fact, there's been over 10 players leave Colorado. And, I mean, I know some of the decommitments from Colorado are Dion pulling – is Dion pulling their scholarships. But there's some good talent that's decommitting from Colorado too. So, I'm interested to see what happens with that because right now they're on pace that I even have a full roster. Yeah, and we did mention how once more people hit the portal and more commits – or announced that we would have another episode to update listeners on that. But I think the portal has gotten bigger and almost needs some regulations. I don't know if you were in here when we mentioned that, but um, we're going to see. Can Dion hit the portal and turn Colorado around in year one? Um, we're going to find out. 
So if, if, if that's all of the statements from segment three, we thank Ashley's Automotive for sponsoring segment three. Um, we're going to round out segment three and move into our final segment as we're trying to shorten up this, this episode since it's been so long. We want everybody to be able to listen to it. So um, our last segment, segment four, is our clown moment as we always round out. Um, who wants to go first for their clown moment? I'll take the reins. All right. Um, the reins are in your hand, Jackson. The the famous Instagram account I usually go to for some good clown moments, Saturday Down, tweeted out this thing talking about the um, the Florida shoe curse. Um, we remember they played LSU, and then one of their players, after making a tackle, threw the shoe of the player he had just tackled because it came off, and then they were able to get the ball where the shoe landed and kick the field goal and to win the game. But um, since that moment, Florida has been – Five and thirteen, five and seventeen overall. They have five of their code losing seasons for the first time since nineteen seventy-eight, seventy-nine season. Man, oh man! As a Georgia fan, that is music to my ears. And I love seeing. Yes, it. I saw that on. Yeah, I saw that on Saturday down south the other day, and I was gonna send it to you boys, but I'm glad you found it, Jackson, and brought it up as your clown moment. Oh, man, it just makes me so happy. And just the, any chance I have to clown on the University of Florida and just little mistakes they can make, oh, man, you better believe I'm going to hop on it. Zeke, do you want to take the reins from Jackson and go second, or do you want me to go? You can go ahead. Okay, well, it's probably good that I'm going second because I'm staying right where Jackson is. I love clowning the University of Florida and anything to do with jean shorts and the Florida Gators. So my clown moment <laughs> – <laughs> is the Florida Gators are playing before Christmas. That's the first clown moment. My second clown moment is that they had a they had a losing a re, losing season this season. And my third clown moment is that they got blasted in their bowl game and should have got shut out. They got beat thirty to three. Not only did they get blasted, their fans are already calling for their year one head coach's head, and there is a GoFundMe account to fu- to fund his buyout if he was fired this year. So You're Florida joking, fans, oh my God. They made a GoFundMe. Their Florida fans are already for his head. You're Can one. we go donate to this GoFundMe? <laughs> no, because I want him to keep them because I, I like being Florida. I, they don't need a good coach. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Zeke, it's in your hands. Zeke, please have another Florida moment. All right. No, mine's not a Florida moment. Mine actually has to do with Georgia. Uh-oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, but it's not hating on Georgia. So I don't know if um, you boys – I mean, I'm sure y'all did hear it, but the the reporter, was it Todd McShay? Oh, yes, yes. Yes. So Todd McShay took a shot at Georgia's Jalen Carter, who we know is more than likely going to be a top three NFL draft pick. He is an amazing player. And anyways, for some reason – Todd McShay woke up one day last week and just decided that he was going to get on TV and take a shot at Jalen Carter saying that he had character issues, pretty much saying that he's not the best teammate, blah, blah, blah. Like trying to, I guess he's trying to hurt his draft stock. I don't know. Maybe Jalen Carter picked him up and held him like a baby, like he did to Jane Daniels. I don't know what happened, but he took a shot at Jalen Carter, but this is also you know, the same guy who has made terrible takes in the past. Um, so my clown moment is Todd McShay 
because many Georgia players got on social media defending Jalen, and anybody that's a Georgia fan knows that Jalen Carter has never had an allegation or a report of being anything other than a great student athlete. So shame on you, Todd McShay, for feeling like you can get on TV and do that, but it's crazy what the money does. Money talks, and uh, the money that you got paid to say that bull crap just kind of spoke through your mouth. There was another, like, this is to kind of praise Jalen Carter, but there was another guy that says Jalen Carter may be the best interior defensive line prospect since Aaron Donald in the draft, like any draft class coming up. And, you know, Jalen Carter, looking at him, he sometimes he, in games he doesn't always have the craziest numbers, but why, if you go and watch those games, he's, like, taking on double teams, sometimes even triple teams, and allowing other players to make plays and always praising his team. So I don't know why Todd McShay would say that he has character issues, especially when you're the cornerstone piece of the Georgia defense. Boys, if I am a NFL scout or NFL coach that is drafting players, I'm not going to sit there in my draft room and let Jalen Carter slip through my fingers because Todd McShay said that he had character issues. Oh, definitely. If if I am a head coach and I see Jalen Carter on my draft board, without a doubt, the draft clock would not even have to tick a second because I'm going with Jalen Carter. I, look, he is the third-rated player in the draft. I'm taking him number one. Look, all I'm going to say is, and this is this is the last thing I'll say, but, you know, I'm not going to listen to too much that Todd McShay has to say. Maybe he shouldn't show up to work on live television drunk again. Oh, Maybe man. he's the one with character issues, but I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say Yeah, I mean, I mean, because because when I said he was drunk on TV, I mean that's not a false story. Go research for yourself. But Mm-mm. well, we've got segment four out of the way with clown moments, boys. We got another good episode in. We we talked about pretty much everything to catch up with our, our listeners with the college football world. Um, we apologize that it's ten days before we've uploaded another episode, but. Um, We've shortened the episode. That's what we wanted to do. So any closing statements as we round out this episode? I'm excited to watch this transfer portal. You know, as NIL has come out, the transfer portal has become almost a who can pay the most money for athletes in certain aspects. But, you know, I'm excited to see further news and commitments from that. Um, and I'm really excited for these ball games. we got a lot of good ones to watch. Yeah, Um Stay tuned for the bowl games, more transfer portal portal news, but also stay tuned as we are going to, you know, start making episodes that revolve around college basketball and NBA, my forte. So uh, stay tuned, you basketball fans. I promise we're going to give y'all some ear candy. So, yeah. Yeah, see, we're actually – we're going to slowly start rotating into basketball, and the reason we haven't done it yet is because football still is pretty much in full swing. We haven't got the big games out of the way yet, so we don't want to change our focus completely from football yet. But um, I do promise we're going to get to basketball. Um, I just seen an interesting stat about the Boston Celtics, how they started like 21-5, and five, and now they're like 1-4 and four in their last five or something like that. So we're going to get to yes. that about the um, NBA and college basketball. We're getting their fan, basketball fans stick with us, I promise. I, um, I, feel like, I feel like that was a cheap shot at me, bro. It was not a cheap shot at you, Zeke. It was just an interesting set that I saw before we got on the podcast. That was just something look, to, to throw in there. Look, look, look. We are 5-5 five and five in our last 10 games. It's not the end of the world. We're going to be straight. We're still going to win the title. That's all I care about. Um, yeah, you probably so are because yeah. my Hawks just um, – they, they beat the Magic by one point. But 
yeah, so you're probably going to win the East. But but like I was saying, um, basketball fans, we're getting around to basketball. We promise. Um, we thank you for sticking with us. We apologize again for the long delay. But um, thank you to our sponsors. And, boys, closing words. I have one thing about basketball. I saw the end of the fourth – or the not fourth quarter, but the ending of the Ohio State-UNC basketball game the other day. And, man, oh, man, what an ending. I just got to say that because I, I was thinking about it, talking about basketball more and – college basketball but it was a wild game it was a buzzer beater from passed in from half court to the corner and he threw it up and they went into overtime so i just want to bring that up last thing i'll say is um go bullermakers purdue best team in college right now let's go <laughs> um and the last thing i'll say before i end it i ain't switching up go dogs forever and always any sport i'll never say go bullermakers never say go gators it's all <laughs> But until next episode, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back. Thank you to our sponsors, HHWR Builders and Ashley's Automotive Repair. Your support is what keeps this podcast alive. If you would like to sponsor us, contact myself, Jason Cody Morris, or Zeke Shivers on Instagram or Facebook. We'd love to have you hop on board with us. Thank you again to our loyal listeners and sponsors.